honestly, my son, he really likes checking out chickens when we go to the feed store and he thinks it's really cool and I'll buy a bunch and I'll put them in the yard, let them run around. And he thinks that's fun. And then I feed him to shit. Welcome to From the Ground Up, where we talk to reptile keepers and breeders about all things cold-blooded. Sit back and have a beer with us. Well, some of you are driving. If you're driving, keep your hands tended to and enjoy the show. Oh, there you go. Damn. Go. Welcome to From the Ground Up. Uh, we are going to get a few things out of the way in the beginning. First of all, tune in tomorrow to Morelia Python Radio. Boo. For yours truly, minus Melissa, because she's babysitting. So that will be fun. If you guys haven't ever listened to NPR, which you probably have, <laughs> it comes in on Tuesdays. Comes in. Comes on on Tuesdays, I believe, at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. You Eastern. You should that. I don't know. I should probably figure that out before tomorrow <laughs> what the exact time is. <laughs> um, but I would love for you guys to go over there and join us for some fun snake talk and support Eric and Owen and everything they do because they're podcasters, too. They are like... Uh, they're better podcasters. They're like us. the pod fathers. And, wow. And then that was, Reptile Radio that was so punny. are like the great pod fathers. So uh, check us out <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> and we're rambling. And t shirts are available on forcecitypythons.com. Uh, Amazon the dis- affiliates. Oh, you're about to say that. Yeah, if you want to go for it, go for okay. it. Okay. In the description of every video we post, we put some links to some common reptile products that you can go buy on Amazon. If you follow those links and buy actually anything, then we will get a little kickback from Amazon, and you don't have to do anything other than click link. So go do it. That is neat. Thank you. Wow. Okay. Um, any other announcements? Mm-mm. Okay. Today we have on Brandon Wheeler of Moralia House. So Brandon, could you give us <laughs> give us a little overview on uh, where you're from and kind of how you got into reptiles? How's it going, guys? What's going on? Thanks for having me on. Um, an overview. Well, just like everyone else that's ever been on this show, it starts when we're kids and uh kind of goes from there i my well first of all i'm from i'm from uh southern california i live in san diego i've moved a lot though so i've had the pleasure of moving and living in multiple places across the country but i'm back down in san diego now and uh it's fantastic i love it here the reptile scene out here is probably why it's my favorite is you know i've been to a lot of different places around the country but there's just so much life in the reptile industry in southern california and it's uh it it makes it a lot of fun because you know we 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 tend to collect friends in the hobby and and group together and hang out together and and san diego is no different i mean there's just so many people into keeping so it's great um 
yeah, when I was a kid, I really, really, really wanted a snake, and I always wanted a snake, and I always was catching them and, and finding them and being over at friends' houses and wanting to hold them, and I don't remember ever being afraid of snakes. And uh, my mom, just no, solid no, forever. No, 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 not going to happen. And I used to watch The Crocodile Hunter all the time when I was a kid. It was like my favorite show. So when uh, the internet kind of came out, you know, I would spend time searching yeah i've been around for a while i, I spent all this <laughs> i spent all this time searching for uh whatever i saw on the show that day on the crocodile hunter you know different pythons or whatever it was and i'd google it and it'd take like an hour and a half to look at three or four pages because of the annoying dialogue and um finally my, my mom just was like okay fine for your birthday you can have a snake and i got a ball python when i was 11 and it just kept going from there by the time i was 16 that's when i had more than you know two or three animals and kind of started a collection but then when i was 18 i uh i got her 19 i got a job at this place called radical reptiles that was in orange county california and it just the sky was the limit at, at that point that was like the coolest job ever to be a freshman in college and work at the reptile store because the collection just got extravagant quick too quick um you know i always kind of caution against that now that you know i i don't uh, i always you know, slow down figure out what you like don't go too fast you know for all the the keepers that are kind of just getting started because it's real easy to to have one snake and think it's the easiest thing in the world to take care of and then all of a sudden you have two and then you have 10 and then you have 20 and then they're all babies still because you did it so fast and you have no idea what's coming within the next two or three years and you just get, <laughs> get overwhelmed so it's were you in, keeping before you were working at the pet shop yeah yeah when when i got started at the pet shop I, I had carpet pythons and that was it uh i've always loved carpet pythons i started keeping carpets when i was 16 and um but when i got to the pet shop that's when i started bringing in tarantulas i was really big into spiders for a long time i had like 30 of them my uh, i lived at my grandma's house and she thought i had one uh but i told her it was in the closet you know, because she's terrified of spiders. She was cool with the snakes, but the spiders were a total no-go, and it wasn't okay at all. So I was like, I have one tarantula, and it's really cool, and it's really friendly, but it's in the closet, so just don't go in the closet. And it was just a shelf, wall-to-wall -wall shelf. Floor-to-ceiling closet was nothing but spiders. So uh, I don't know. That's just kind of what happens to you, I guess, when you're young. But it kept going from there. So when did you move out of spiders and just solely go to snakes? Mm, I've moved a lot. So I've moved across country four or five times. I honestly, I lost track. But you'll notice when you move across country, you end up downsizing. And it's not anything that ever happens because you want it to. But life has a crazy way of being life. Uh, so I, when I moved, one of my moves from Knoxville back to California, I was like, okay, no spiders. So I, I needed to, I had a reptile room, you know, a full-size reptile room like the one I had now, except I was moving into a studio apartment and I needed everything to fit in a closet. So you, you kind of, yeah, exactly. And I mean, I pulled some really cool stuff when I made that move. That was hard. The spiders were the least concerning of what I, what I got away from. But now it's, I would love to have more again, but the wife's just not having that. 
at all. <laughs> we have a really good agreement. Uh, she lets me do whatever I want. As far as the reptiles, she knows that it's my thing and that Python's really important to me. And as far as Python's, it's my world. I live in it. You know, she doesn't say anything about it, but spiders are not cool. That is where she draws the line. So it seems like a happy agreement. I totally agree. I'm totally in agreement <laughs> yeah. with that one. You know, if a pair of all of Python's should happen to pop up in the mail here in the next couple of months, it's going to be cool. As long as they don't have eight legs, it's no problem. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's always my role. It's understandable. He's not allowed to have anything with legs. Like, not anything. I'm out. It's all about compromise. No. <laughs> not even for what? No monitors? You have a no monitor rule? I, no I have a... Dude, I no myself legs. even have a no legs rule just because it's too much upkeep. Oh, man. You should have monitors. I, just like to... I don't have monitors anymore, but I've had a bunch. I love monitors. You should totally... I would do... Probably Ackies. That would be the one thing I would do. You're Kimberly's. I'm good with that. <laughs> uh, I like to stay as small as possible. As I small as possible. I but, gotcha. uh, and then you gotta feed them. You gotta heat them up to like 135 degrees or some bullshit. Yeah, we don't have time for that. And they have legs. <laughs> and they have legs and teeth and. <laughs> there you go. You know, and there's something to be said for that, though, because, you know, even though I've I've tried out a whole bunch of different aspects of the hobby, I find that once you find what you really like and what you're really into and what you're at least kind of good at, stick with that. Because if you're trying to do too many things at one time, you're, you're not going to do anything. It's all about dialing in what you have and making it the best that you can. And when you're focused on so many different aspects of keeping, some of that falls through the wayside. You're just not going to be as good as you can be, at least in my personal opinion. Yeah, I totally understand that. So, like, you had carpet pythons from the beginning. So, was it always like, at least this is what happens to me? It's like, um, I have a 20% core of my collection and then I added more species on and then I was like, oh, I need to get rid of the things that I don't like and then I end up back where I started. Like, I always have carpets and I always have corns. You're confusing me. And like, I'm confusing you? Yeah. Like, do you, did you just like always get into random things and then be like, keeping carpet pythons is better so you just always kept carpets? <laughs> or? No, I've just always kind of, that's been my center balance point, you know, like everything else that I've done and that I like and that I like to do is centered around carpet pythons. Like for instance, now scrubs, that's kind of my new endeavor. And it's not even really a new endeavor. I got my first scrub python, I don't know, 10 years ago, something like that. I had a Malukan uh, for about seven years and her, unfortunately, I sold uh, in that same move when I sold the spiders, her, the Maclots pythons. I, I bred Maclots for a really long time right. and uh, Brettles, um, which I bred. And yeah, the, the adult pairs, it was stuff that it's like, okay, I've done it. I love it. It's cool. But, you know, I'd produced like three or four seasons of Maclots pythons and it was kind of like, okay, these are the coolest snakes ever, but I've, I've done this and I want space for something that I haven't done yet, which is what guided me to sell those, which was a huge mistake because now I just have to buy another pair. Uh, <laughs> you know, and we learned these things through time, I guess. It definitely was the wrong direction to go about doing it, but... 
Yes, and it's guilty. Guilty, man. I missed my max. Ow. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like anyone... You would think over time someone would take up that project and produce them, but it doesn't seem like there's really many people producing Knackloth Pythons. Um, not as many as I would like to see, but there's definitely more, I think, now in the last two years than there were in the last six to eight. You know, I think Maclots Pythons were just no one cared at all. When I had Maclots Pythons, I sold them for like 75, 80 bucks a piece. You know, it was nothing. And no one cared. And they were like kind of hard to sell at that point. They're like, what is this? What is this gray, kind of funky looking, whatever? We don't care. It's not a morph, and no one cared. And I think in the last couple of years, there's really been a push with a lot of the community to start to care when it comes to those harder to find, not so common, wild type animals, um, which is honestly kind of the way the rest of my collection is gone. I'm not super into morphs anymore. Um, I, you know, I did jags and caramels and, you know, I've had exantics and a lot of that stuff. And I don't now, uh, I, I have one zebra that's a female zebra and she's here forever. She's fantastic. She was, um, I've had her since 2011 and I just, the rest of the morphs are gone, man. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm really, you know, I like locality stuff and I like wild type stuff. And I just, I want the natural animals to look as awesome and badass as they possibly can. And that's cool. And if there's stuff that, that people say are really hard to breed, I really want to try to breed it, you know? And I want these species that like ring pythons, dude, you can't find those anymore. And I don't have any, I'd love to get a pair though. It's on my, I need it list, you know, but in, in 20 years, when I look back at the hobby and there's, you know, an 18 year old kid coming up that really wants a bunch of cool stuff. I want to make sure that they can still have the stuff that we have today. I don't want all that stuff to be gone because nobody gave a shit and started to breed it, which is a, been a massive problem and a huge downfall and, and what we have like savu pythons man there was a thread on those the other day and i used to get savus into that reptile shop like crazy we always had savus they were always on the import list super easy to find they were like a hundred bucks and forget it no that's not happening anymore you know they're they're gone they're effectively gone i mean there's you've got i don't know how many people have pairs right now but it's probably less than a hundred if you think about it, you know, not, not, a, they're not bred. When was the last time you saw captive bred savvy pythons? I think I saw two clutches hack last year. That was it. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, probably Nick and like a couple more people. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I mean, what happens when, you know, we take advantage of all the Indonesian stuff and Papua and all that stuff from there? Like, what happens if that ever closes down? <laughs> oh, it's going to. I guarantee you it's going to. I mean, just look at history and, and look at history through the hobby and what's been popular in different eras and then what's all of a sudden stopped becoming available and all of these amazing animals that we're getting in right now. Uh, that's There's a time limit on that stuff. And there's laws that get passed and there's quotas that get lowered. And there it's, you know, yeah, we'll still be able to import animals, but what we can imports going to change and there's stuff that's going to fall on the list you know look at malukan pythons they were everywhere not that long ago and now 
forget it. You know, I've, I've seen a pair for sale in the last year, and that was it. A pair. Uh, you can't find them. Then they went from $300 a snake to $1,500 a snake. It's ridiculous. So we've got to breed this stuff, you know. And, and there's still I, not anyone producing them. They're freaking hard to breed. <laughs> That's the thing, you know. And, uh, there's a couple of guys that are working real hard at trying to figure it out. God bless them. Put me in line for a pair, you know. I'm, I'm stoked. I'll pay top dollar and get me a pair of Captain Bread ones because I'm in. But, yeah, it's just it's not enough. And I, I guess I, that is what is starting to really push me and get me excited about of what we do because, you know, through time you're – your interests tend to change. You know, we grow into things and we grow out of things. And I just don't care about putting a gene together with another gene to getting this other two combined genes now. Look at how much cooler it is. Okay, great. So let's add another gene and then it looks even cooler. But the that's great. And I, I, you know, there's, there's a place for it and it's, it's a moneymaker and it drives our industry. And I don't think we would have the industry that we have right now without that. But on the flip side, like when you have your animal, like say you have a, say it was 15 years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you had a pastel ball python. Man, that was the coolest snake ever. This rat. <laughs> And then, or is it carpet pythons, jaguar. When jaguars first came out, I was flipped. I lost my freaking mind. I, I saw it. I believe it was uh, Anthony Caponetto uh, had some that was for sale, and they were, you know, well over a thousand dollars a piece. And I was like, oh my god, I have to have that. I have to have that. And, and now, it's, no one cares. So, you know, you have that snake that you may think is still cool because you had it forever, but half of you is also like, well, I could use some cage space and this isn't worth anything anymore. And with the morph market, that worth, that dollar sign, that race to just keep going, it, it's like this, this pyramid scheme to where effectively your snake in, in 10 years has lost so much freaking value and, and when that's what you're breeding for is value, which is the fact when it comes to morphs, that's sad, you know, because my badass looking awesome jungle carpets that I hope to produce, you know, those are still going to be awesome, badass jungle carpets in 10 years, you know, nothing will change. There's, I'm not going to be worried about how they don't have three or four genes. They're not going to make as much freaking money depending on what a pair to because i bred them because they're badass you know and that's yeah. just my mentality now yeah and i think the morph kind of it lends itself to this disposable mentality to where in five years it's not worth as much so you get rid of the male and then after 10 years you get rid of the female and like now yeah. that a lot of the work is done it's probably a little bit different in jungles now because you have a if you have a great yellow and black animal, you can breed that animal for its life and retire it in one home and produce, you know, ten years of amazing jungle carpets. Yes, exactly. But exactly. to pay, to play devil's advocate. Please, someone ask I mean, you, you <laughs> I mean you said it, but like the more the more stuff has to be there. You yeah. can't have every single person trying to produce the same exact yeah you know 
at that point, then the the market would just be what's the word? Is diluted the word I'm thinking of? Or saturated. Saturated, right? Like, yeah, you can't it's have, like you can't. You got to have both sides because you can't yeah. have everyone trying to produ- produce the best black and yellow, black and yellow. Well, and there's got to be someone who produced striped jungles also, and who produce Palmer stains. They're like some oh, of these jungles that are kind Palmer of ugly, stain? but Palm, Palmer, that's messed up, man. You can't be, don't dog on the Palmerson's like that, man. That's not cool. Are you mad that I called them ugly? Because they are. Wait, what is it? Not, not, it? not anymore. Have you seen the Palmerson's Nick Scott in his pocket? I'm telling you, those suckers are black and yellow now. Well, they're most, it's kind of a, it's a locality, correct? I don't yeah. know the backstory of the Palmerston, but oh yeah, in the wild they're freaking dirt brown, but through selective breeding they've become black <laughs> and yellow. Uh, I don't so so that. then the distinction's gone anyway. So what's so the point of the So then you're just saturating locality? it, right? If it just looks the same, <laughs> exactly. I don't really care. Here's the deal: I don't want everyone to care. I, I want everyone to do what they care about and what they want to do what they think is cool. And that's why it's important that the morph market is around and why it's important that that end of the hobby pushes forward is because please don't do the same thing as me because I don't want to do the same thing as you. I want to do my own thing. So there, there's got to be enough for everyone to be interested in something. And, you know, the more that everyone's successful, the cooler crap everybody's got to play with. And that's what's important. So I'm a huge fan of the diversity. So what, I don't know how to phrase this question. Like, why is it that morphs come in and out? Because at the end of the day, we're all caring about what it looks like. Or, I mean, a lot of people do care about the genes and stuff, but for, I feel like a lot of times what catches you first is your eye. So what it looks like, what makes the fact that, I mean, the black and yellow is not a morph, but it's still two colors that look pretty. There's some beautiful morphs colors. Why do those go? I don't, I don't get why they go in and out. If that, if we're, if the eye is the first thing that catches you, why is the morph? I know what I want to say, but I want to hear what Brandon Uh has to say. No, 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 you're up. What what do you want to say? (laughs) So like, it's weird because obviously the morphs are very big in the easy to breed species. Like so what we're in corn. So it kind of keeps your attention while doing something easy. So I find that ball pythons and corn snakes easy to breed, easy to keep, easy just all around on the keeper. So it's like you challenge yourself to build the genes up with something like um mac lots or something like that you're challenging yourself just to breed the thing and you may not breed the thing would you rather have a snake that you can breed it like 95 percent of the time and then put new genes in it and you know have something that produces consistently and makes money or you have a but little balls carpets. You... carpets aren't that hard to breed are they and there's morphs in those not terribly difficult but you see it's replicate oh. at this point it's pretty similar to the ball python market in my opinion and then more get made and then they drop in value and then but that's why i'm not getting if it's if they're pretty why are they dropping i don't get why they just because it's because it it's, it's not going to be any more saturated than the just normal black and yellow i don't know how to describe my question no, 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 it's fine. Because, because originally, you know, when stuff comes out, it, it's rare. And it's only really a pyramid originally. 
you know, because when you get those expensive morphs that come out, they start out extremely expensive when you're at the top end of that and when you're early on. So originally it's a bit of a pyramid, but it's a pyramid people make money on. So, you know, if you get in it and it works out, it's great for you. But, you know, they, they all have their bottom out point. It's just it's it's crazy to see stuff that used to be a thousand bucks now literally go for the same time same price as normal just because because it's been reproduced so many times it's all about regular carpets have been reproduced not as much not Not as much much. i feel like carpet i don't know because you can buy a jag now for i've seen them for a hundred dollars man and you know and i'm not talking about a a a quality you know i'm not talking about like a freaking wild line jag or something like that or a you know but you can get jags for 100 bucks 150 bucks because like, there's so many of them it's a co-dominant trade you know you breed it half of it ends up jag and all of a sudden the market's so saturated that you're just not able to get that dollar for it anymore now that changes when it comes to quality because you've got people that produce some super quality stuff that is not easily replicated and that's why i think carpets versus ball pythons have such an interesting switch because with carpets there there's a quality and a look to the snakes that you get that you with ball pythons is easily replicated you know a normal ball python is a normal ball python but there's a, a varying degree of awesomeness when it comes to anything carpet related because yeah you can have a muddied out super ugly animal but you can have a really nice super defined contrasted animal too and when you throw the morph into that super contrasted animal it just is that much more awesome but no one really pays attention to that wild type when it comes to you know corns when it comes to balls when it comes to you know boas it's not about the most magnificent specimen that you can have to start out with that type of selective breeding. I don't feel like is being done as often. Um, I'm, I'm sure people are doing it, but that brings back some of the excitement in my opinion to the, to the Morelia. Cause it's just a different aspect of it. Yeah. Cause you know, I've been talking smack on Jags being 150 bucks, but on the same land, if there, there are people that have them for five and 600 still just because of the line they are and how much work they put in into selectively breeding it and making it as absolutely awesome of a Jag as they possibly can. So, you know, it, it's a, it's a catch 22. I think it's unfortunate for ball pythons that the rate of mutation, for whatever reason, there's so many morphs that are consistently coming out that there's always a new thing. Yeah. You don't get time to line breed no, a right. pastel because like, everyone just moves on. The fact that there keeps, it, there keeps coming more and new more and shit. more. Right. Yeah. If there was only like... Oh, if a snake was from Australia. Morphs, but like since... And you just played with those. But I think... I think the fact that, like, once someone really gets into one, there's, like, one more to get into. Right, right. And that, okay. Yeah. Well, look, carpet pythons, how often do we get any more? What, every, like, five years? Every, like, five years, there's a new more. Well, Australia, (laughs) Australia gets them ten years before, and then they end up in Europe, even no, I mean, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in general carpet python, the species themselves. How often do you see a new carpet python morph? Think about it. Very Three right. to five years, probably five years. 
Yeah, yeah, on average. If you look historically speaking, I think the last one, and I could totally be wrong, would have been Exantic Jungles or Albino Coastals. Or the Will Bird Jungle thing. Is that a thing? Was that Will Bird? Dude, no comment. Um, <laughs> don't don't do that to me. No comment. That's a that's a funny story. That's a funny story that I'm not going to tell. Yeah. <laughs> See, I don't know the story behind it. I just saw it. All right. I just know that people. I don't know. I don't know. Opinions. I have. Yeah, yeah. Opinions vary. Exactly. It's just a. I'm I'm not going to touch that. It's a funky looking snake, man. It's a our, funky our, looking snake. Our buddy Brandon also mentioned silver, uh, the silver peppered inlands. Badass. Those have been around for a while, though. Yeah. Uh, you know, we don't have them here yet, but they've been, they've been around for a while. I would I also why. like to acknowledge that we have two Brandons in the chat and a Brandon <laughs> on the podcast right now. So we have to be very clear in, <laughs> in using last names with Brandons. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, actually earlier Brandon Sander um, said do you think that's why green trees do so well and their desirability hasn't changed yes absolutely the you know with, with green trees that's just such a whole another world of awesome that gets opened up when you look into green tree pythons you know and uh not to not answer the call i'll get back to the question but i, I tried breeding condors this year and, and you know and, I, and i've bred some some stuff and oh no other absolute fail absolute fail two clutches both nothing but slugs really yep yep yeah hit the gutter both times so different male uh, uh same male different females uh but i don't know i i got like 30 chondro slugs this year better have a uh, pep talk with your boy there <laughs> i sold him to the guy whose female it was <laughs> or, uh, yeah it was a joint project i'm like look bro i don't this is terrible it's devastating here he's awesome you know, sold them to them, it's fine. Um, but as far as chondros, man, yeah, there's very few morphs, but it's all selective breeding. It, it's all, you know, how awesome can we make the snake? How awesome can we make the snake? And it, it takes a lot of time and a lot of dedication to to be line breeding for as long as some of these lines are. You know, some of the really expensive chondros they've been trying to get this look for like 20 years you know and and pairing after pairing after pairing it's getting better and better and better and that's just not a level of dedication that you see in other species especially when it comes to line breeding i think chondros are on an island of their own uh in that topic and why they've retained so much value and will continue to in my opinion absolutely so how do you feel, whether it be chondros or carpets, are you kind of a designer guy or if it were carpets, you know, a morph guy or are you looking for localities and purity? I love, I love locality stuff and I love purity stuff. And, you know, the purity road has been a long road and it is hard you know, because I've bought a lot of animals that I thought, well, not a lot, but I've bought animals that I thought were pure and um, they ended up not being pure. 
And I had to figure that out on my own. And I figured it out by going to the breeder and asking who produced it and then calling that person and asking who produced their parents and then calling that person. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and I mean, I went back to the freaking mid nineties on a jungle carpet that I found out was, uh, eight and a half percent coastal oh yeah i mean at that point must be even in the look well no you would have no idea you would have no idea and there are a ton of its siblings running around and people are calling them pure and what are you gonna do it's you know you should just add carpet pi to your resume dude i mean it took took like (laughs) six months to get that information. <laughs> we're talking like I harassed people and, and figured it out. And unfortunately, I think probably lost some friends along the way. You know, there were people I was, uh, you know, really cool with it. Maybe not as much anymore, but it, it is what it is, man. And uh, Do you think it's even a thing. Is it even appropriate to label something as pure when no one can truly, you know, you can go back as far as humanly possible and then you hit a dead person or an illegal activity. So what which, you... which is fine because there's always going to be a dead person or an illegal activity. But, <laughs> and, you know, you, you got to get to a point that you're comfortable with. And that that comfort level is going to be different for different people. You know, you're never going to get back to the freaking smuggler. You're never going to get back to the zoo with very few exceptions. You know, with the diamond lineages, you know, they're able to get back to the zoo thanks to Gary Valley, but uh, Gary Vale Valley. I don't say we'll call it Vale. Um, you know, there, there's exceptions to that, but, but in general, it's about going back far enough to feel comfortable and confident because you have to hit a time frame that predates morphs. That's the main thing. Uh, you have to hit a time frame that predates, predates the Jaguar gene. And you're going to, and before that you had the jungle diamond crosses, um, and it's good luck predating that because that was going on a long time ago. Um, but you know, if you can if you can hit into the eighties and you're confident, it, it's hard. Try it. If you don't have yeah. lineage on your jungle, I don't know if you have lineage on your jungle or not, but you start trying to figure it out. It's gonna take you I'm forever. gonna be so disappointed. <laughs> you're gonna leave a lot of voicemails. People aren't gonna call you back. And you're gonna send a lot of emails and eventually hopefully you know you get what you want. But at the end of the day, it, it's it's just about having awesome animals that you enjoy. And there's nothing wrong with you know a little bit of this or a little bit of that as long as you love what you're doing it's fine you know for me i was set on a goal i was set on a mission you know i had three or four years into this project thinking hey this is pure and then that was a kick in the nuts it was a hard kick in the nuts and i won't forget that so i'm very selective about where i purchase from and why and i'm very selective about my you know when i when i buy snakes now and i'm looking at purity you have to be realistic and I'm more realistic about that now. And I, I believe, uh, you know, when I originally got into that project that we're discussing, I, I had some ignorance involved. And it's all about learning through your your trials and tribulations. Man. How yeah. far back do you know 
the lineage? Why are you pointing at me? No, because you said mic. you had a question. Oh, how far back do you know I'm yours? Okay, so mine is a pairing um, from a female that was produced by Nick Button that I can feel pretty confident in that. Just Did you mean Nick. to call him that? What? Did Nick? I'm pretty sure it's called him Nick Button. Nick Mutton, no. I said him. And then Hairline, which Brandon can tell me right now. Hairline's not fucking pure or something. Let me know. I don't know. Who's Hairline? I don't know Hairline. Oh, hair. Like, hair. I don't even hairline like like my ball. Like, like. My ball. H-A-R-E. No, it just depends. You know, because he had pure stuff, and he had stuff that that had some diamond blood in it. And he had some stuff that was unknown. So just because you say hairline, it which one? You know, he produced a lot of stuff. So, well, it is highlighter yellow and black. So, and it's never gonna produce anything. So there you go. That's all that matters, man. Because those <laughs> those suckers. Isn't it crazy though? The ones that just might have a little peachy bit of diamond in them just look. Sexy as hell. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's what makes them better looking. <laughs> Those are the ones where you're just like, ah, oh, God, you look so perfect, though. You know, like, like the wow stuff, man. I mean, they're called wow for a reason because when you look at, you know, some of the earlier wow line or the current wow line, you literally say, wow, look at the snake. And, and they're, they're just the best. But you're like, I don't know. Yeah. It gets it gets back to I mean should we just judge how good the snake looks or should we worry about all this other stuff you know it's it depends on who you're marketing towards and what yeah. is important to you because everyone's going to do different stuff and I'll tell you what ninety percent of the population out there that wants to buy carpet pythons doesn't give a shit they don't give fuck all about purity the people that care about it's your eyes the the people that care about purity are extremely small compared to the people that that don't so it's just it's what's important to you you know for me why do i care about purity why do i want something to be pure because in 20 years when somebody wants to buy a jungle carpet python i want to be able to sell them one and uh the way things are going, if no one gives a shit, that's just not going to be a thing. There will be no longer subspecies. There, you'll lose coastals. You'll lose jungles. You'll lose diamonds because no one gave a shit. And I don't want that to happen. So in my collection, I try to keep it as pure as that, to my knowledge, that I know. And that way, we can keep it going for future generations. And that's just my thing. To clarify for everyone listening and myself, like besides you... Who can you buy from that you can ensure the lineage or that you trust the lineage from? Oh, there's a bunch of people out there. Specifically, I'll just name Nick Mutton, man. Nick, Nick, I've still How could I have guessed that was going to be the first person you say? I've spent a lot of money with Nick, but there's plenty of people out there that, that have good, pure, solid lines. David Hayson, um, you know, Headhunter has some stuff that's pure, and he has some stuff that's that's crossed, and he's got a little bit of everything. But if it's black and yellow, you call up Chris from Headhunter, and he'll talk to you about it, and he'll set you up with what you're looking for. You know, Andrew Paris has some fantastic animals. You know, and again, everybody's got stuff in their collection with a little bit of unknowns, but there's also a lot of people that 
also have definitely know that's that solid pure. And it's just a matter of asking because if they don't have the answer for you and if they don't have the lineage to back it up, then then that's fine. Buy the snake anyway, as long as that's not something that's important to you. You know, because like I said, as far as resale value is concerned, the pure is not worth any more than pretty. Pretty's worth more than pure all day long. You know, go go buy a wild line animal or you know a highlighter line animal, and those are worth a hell. That you're probably gonna get more money from that than some of the pure stuff. Um, but you know, it just it just depends. Just ask around. Just ask questions. Don't just buy a snake if it's important to you. Ask the freaking questions that you're supposed to ask before you buy the snake. Do you have lineage? What's its background information? Can you tell me the backstory on this animal? Because if they can't, then that's fine. Just don't care that it's a, you know, it's just, it's all to you. So we will hit the scrubs towards the end of this, but what is, or what are the pairs that you have as adults or, you know, attempted breedings and different stuff that you're working with that you hope to produce soon? Um, so right now the collection's pretty small. I don't have a whole lot. Um, I have a pair of diamond pythons that hopefully most everything grew up. I went through kind of a collection adjustment, uh, both because of that story that I mentioned earlier about the Jungle Coaster Cross and because I had uh, a bad run. Uh, with some females that died after laying eggs. I lost two females in one year, both right after they laid a clutch. Um, so that'll that'll hurt feelings. Uh, and then previous to that, I moved. So I, I acquired some more stuff and I kind of reworked my collection the way I wanted. And right now I have a pair of diamonds uh, that I love and adore and they will be big enough to breed this next season. So hopefully that works out. Um, I have five jungle carpets um of varying uh localities and uh morphs one's a zebra uh and then you know some other stuff with some very nice jungles that hopefully i should get one clutch at least from those next year i've got the brisbane locality coastals which those are the shit i love my brisbane coastals are awesome man but these guys i just can't wait to see them get oh they're they're great hopefully this year i'll hatch my i'll uh, i'll be able to breed my brisbane you know out of the whole reptile room those are the snakes that my my son gets to hold Cause, cause they're so chill and so cool. Really? And my son, yeah, well, my son's like not even two yet. He's like a year and a half. But whenever he walks, in the okay, room, <laughs> this makes sense. Yeah, whenever he walks in the reptile room, like he's like, you know, he points to all the different cages and he gets super excited. But you know, I'll take out the Brisbane and I don't fully hand it to him, but like he gets to pet. You know, he's learning to pet gentle, and and those are the snakes I trust him with. So that's a fantastic locality. I really love the the reds and and the coloration and the heads, and it's just such a distinct look as far as uh, coastals are concerned. Um, Why that that surprises me because we live near uh, Austin Warwick, and he actually we think successfully bred his Brisbane's this year. But uh-huh. they are not calm like you're describing. So that's why I'm surprised on that end. Carpet python's a carpet python, man. I mean, well, you know, they come in a they come in a whole lot of colors, a whole lot of attitude. 
and it just it depends on what you got uh, i've been lucky because most of the snakes i have are chill uh the i only have two snakes that are even close to aggressive and i need to hook out both of those are my female scrubs uh none of my carpets are aggro all, all five of my jungle so uh, yeah the diamonds i don't even think i could get them to bite me if i tried they just don't care <laughs> So what are, um, you said jungle stuff, so you're working with anything else besides uh, diamonds and jungles? Diamonds, jungles, coastals, uh, southern scrubs, and barnacks. Gotcha. So where are you at with um, barnacks? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I didn't think I was going to produce any southern scrubs this year, but... I got some eggs in the incubator, which is pretty cool. Uh, Barnex, the female is the same size as my Southern. I mean, they're, I think my female Barnex might be a little bigger than my Southern even. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's do this. I'll pair them this season. <laughs> no idea. So, or not. They're freaking hard to breed. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and are you, do you really know? Are you going for a spring breeding or are they typically winter? Do you know? Um, you know, I, I paired them around December. They didn't care. Um, I, I, I separated them out. I paired them again around Jan. Oh, hold on. Wait, where's my freaking book? You got this all written down? Hell yeah, I got this all written down. So a lot of people do, we'll switch the subject a little bit. A lot of people do like Reptiscan, which I heard is freaking awesome. Mm -hmm different phone apps and things like that and dude pen paper you, you feed stuff and then you can just write it down in the book and, and and you don't have to like bend over like you can go drink a beer and sit on the patio and fill this fucker out you know it's pretty easy to remember everything you just did in a night it takes you like 30 seconds to do it but anyway this is that's how just many of those do you go through these i feel like you'd go through it pretty fast no, 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 like, uh, you know, I, I lost my last one. See, my writing's terrible, but for those people that are, <laughs> if that works or not. Anyway, uh, no, you, you can have a book for a couple of years for sure. It just depends on how many albums you have. Um, so let's go to Scrubs. So as far as my Southerns, I had a pretty cold reptile room this year. Um, it was important to me to cool my diamonds. And in doing that, I kind of got creative. I live in Southern California. Everything, because of my living situation, has to be in one room. I can't have a hot room and a cold room and a medium room. That'd be nice. Uh, but, you know, everything's in one room and, it, you know, it's, it's SoCal. So what I did was I put some vents uh, with a foam board in the window and I hooked up venting with fans in the window to run straight to the, the diamond cages. And, and I put that on a timer and on a thermostat. So that cooled my diamond cages down to between 50 and 55 all, all winter long. Cause I was literally bringing air from outside and blowing them straight into the free cages. Um, 
which careful with that. You know, I had a lot of people kind of vote against it as far as, you know, the 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 breeze and what was that. And I mean, I don't know. They're fine. They didn't get sick. They were 50, 55 all year. It worked out. But there's no way that your reptile room is not going to still be cold as hell. My reptile room averaged about 10 degrees higher than the diamond cages. Excuse me. Um, so it was about 60 to 65 in my reptile room all winter. Um, now I had the thermostats on their heat panels set to varying temperatures, but I think I had the scrubs down to like 68, um, through ambient or hot spot? yeah, they're, they're hot spot during just during night, just during night temps. Okay. Just during the night, I had them down to about 68. I don't want people trying to keep them like that all the time and thinking it's cool. No. Well, let's, uh, let's go through exactly how it went. So Yeah, exactly. So the scrubs went down to about 68 at night, and they fired up to um, between 85 to 87, 88 during the daytime. Um, so I still keep the same daytime temps, but I, I let them get super cold at nighttime. And let's see, with my first walk that I witnessed was on February 10th. Um, and you started pairing them in December, you said? Uh, on and off, yeah. So the first walk I witnessed was February 10th. Uh, they were together for about 12 hours locked up and then uh the the male felt seemed like he wanted to get out of there so i went ahead and pulled them i put him back in on february 25th uh, and they unlocked for about another 12 hours and then she had her prelay shed on april 20th and then she laid eggs um on the 17th so may 17th she laid eggs so that were you pairing uh from february all the way to april were there multiple locks that you saw no well i i saw multiple locks through those two different times that they were together three different times that they were together um but i stopped pairing after 225 and then she let's see she stopped eating um so I fed her a live chick on February 22nd after she had a shed. Uh, there was a lock on the 10th, too. Is that in here? Yeah. Uh, so I fed her a live chick on um, February 22nd, and then I tried to feed her again uh, March 15th. She didn't eat. March 26th, didn't eat. Didn't eat straight till uh, yesterday. She, she's back with food again. So when, that, she, when did she lay? Uh, May 17th. 17th. Gosh, listen. Sorry. So, so yeah, man, cold, cold, pretty cold at night. Uh, pretty warm during the day. Uh, I feed sparingly. Um, all of my animals, my scrubs, once a month. I don't, I don't feed them any more than that. Um, I just don't. I, I, I don't know. I don't. Most of my carpets only eat every two to three weeks. Uh, the adults more like once a month. My babies even every other week. I, they, they pretty much, as soon as they've had like 10 meals and I know that they're on a strong path, they're on a biweekly diet. I'm, I'm not in a hurry around here. I keep it slow. My Brisbane's are the same age as Austin's. Uh, they're actually siblings uh, with, with Austin's. And uh, my girl wasn't big enough to go here. 
uh, she just wasn't. Uh, well, she doesn't eat rats, so that doesn't help either. She's just on chicken. Totally my fault, I'm sure, but she she likes chicken, so there's that. Do you always try to ensure three locks with all your snakes you're pairing, or is that just this one time? Or I don't really have any control over that shit. I, I just, whatever I'm feeling to make it work, man, I just... You know, I, I'll look at her and I'll look at him. And if he's got that certain, you know, one of the best things to look at is weather. Uh, because uh, when the the pressure, there's something about the pressure and rain and, and breeding um, that they just go together well. Uh, when, when it's storming outside, put your snakes together. <laughs> It is. If you're wondering, like, when it's time to pair and there's a freaking rainstorm, it's time to pair. Okay. If your female sheds, it's time to pair. Uh, if your male sheds, it's time to pair. You know, there there are things to look for when it comes to pairing snakes that'll that'll increase your chances of getting locks and having success. Now, don't ask me to freaking palpulate and feel, you know, the the eggs that are in there and, and try to get all. I have I don't have the slightest idea about ovulation. I have half an idea about how all that crap works, and I don't know how to feel a follicle from anything else. I, I've never tried really. I've never cared. It's just not on my to do list there's some guys that are really good at it and that works for them that's fine i don't care and that works for me and i like that so i don't know. <laughs> yeah no i i feel you on that because you'll talk to someone and they're like hey i can feel they're now pea-sized little follicles going down all this <laughs> stuff and i don't fucking know i pair them up until they stop pairing up and then the female may stop eating or yeah you kept there's one our prayers you did it three times and i was like why are you doing we saw them lock two like, times why it. are you doing it again? <laughs> we so need to really tell like, this fucker i was down. wondering if you had a, a number in your head that you felt comfortable with like seeing the lockups but yeah he just kind of if he wanted to put them together again you put them together again i, I think it's important to just make sure you, you did saw it twice yeah <laughs> Gotta do more, man. I don't. I don't know how it works. Maybe it's just for fun. I don't know. <laughs> you never know. Um, as far as uh, you said, you fed it chicks. So, are a bunch of your scrubs on chicks? Are they hooked on chicks? Do you give them different type of meals? Uh, yeah, chicks are cool. Nothing's hooked on chicks except my Brisbane. But I, I do like to add. Um, you know, I do like to add that to their diet every once in a while. It's like a treat. It's nothing I do religiously. Honestly, my son, he really likes checking out chickens when we go to the feed store and he thinks it's really cool and I'll buy a bunch and I'll put him in the yard, let him run around and he thinks that's fun and then I feed him to shit. Um. <laughs> <laughs> then a couple disappear overnight and, you know yeah it's just, it's just kind of you know it's a father son thing it's just what we do it's just part of the it's wrapped into the weekend i don't know <laughs> <laughs> no that's cool so do you feel that there's a big difference between maybe your animals that are on mice or do you do scrubs mice rats chicks do you change it up a bunch or <laughs> Um, you know, I, I start them on mice, they go to rats, I hope. Um, and I really, 
I, I don't want to ever. I, the only reason my Brisbane stuck on chicks is because she was stuck on mice, but I could not get her to eat a rat. Can't get her to eat a rat still to this day. And I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. And she won't take rats. She'll still take mice, but I'd rather feed her chicks just because, you know, they're bigger and I don't have to feed her 10 of them. So it, it, uh, it made sense. I, I, I've tried everything in the freaking book as far as getting her to switch over to rats. And I effectively just gave up and, you know, my son and I go to the feed store now and get chicken and it's cool. And, and she looks great. You know, I mean, she grows fine and, and she looks good. And it's not that she's slender that she's on chicks as much as she's slender that I spent so much time getting her to eat rat. <laughs> uh, you know, that whole growth spurt, he was starved because it was this battle of who was more stubborn, me or her and she won but it took her a while it was a long fight <laughs> so do you know uh, did you get that your female southern as a baby or how'd you get your pair um my scrubs so i have three southerns um two males and a female the pair that just bred or both wild caught uh the female i oh, this is gonna sound terrible uh so what happened was i was at my mother and father-in-law's house uh with my wife and i, I don't know we we had definitely been day drinking and uh i had just oh i remember what happened dan Mullery, dan Mullery was on morelia python radio and um I really missed my Malukin Python. He was talking about scrubs and it was the scrub show. And I had called in and asked him a bunch of questions. And I was just all pumped on scrubs. And I was literally talking to my wife about scrubs that morning. So we went to the bar uh, for breakfast. And the bar for breakfast. <laughs> We're in Long Beach. It's like vacation, you know. That was it's our weekend off. We didn't have to worry about it. Grandparents had the kid. Don't judge me. So uh, there's a local reptile shop that's not too far away from uh, her parents' house, and lo and behold, I walk in, and here's this female scrub python, and she's probably four or five feet, which is the size she was when when I bought her, about five feet. And um, how many yeah, pet stores have scrubs? Like zero. Dude, it was meant to be. It was meant to be. So I walk in and I ask if I can hold her, and they're like, "No, absolutely <laughs> not." You know, I, I talked to the pet store employee. He's like, "Dude, no, aunt. Like, what do you mean?" He's like, "I'm not going anywhere near that freaking thing." And I'm like, "All right, who here's working that has some freaking balls, or at least a pair of keys, so I can work this out?" You know. <laughs> And finally, uh, the owner, he was real cool, and he opened up the cage. He's like, yeah, dude, it's all you, though. Go for it. So he unlocked the cage, and I got her out. She tagged me three or four times, and I fell in love, and I bought her. And, <laughs> um, and then so it was like two months after that was the Sacramento show, and uh, Dan had this patternless southern male at, at his table which you know immediately i just had to buy because I, I needed male uh so i i picked him up and i've owned them both for about two years now um and then i picked up another one uh, who looks super cool really really light 
and pretty just being typically awesome not not what i'm used to when i when i think it's southerns and there's something special about him i don't i don't know maybe not maybe it's just me either way i like it so i bought an extra mail just just for fun so i have two males and female now yeah that was gonna be my question i was wondering if maybe like male combat was a thing that's why you had multiple males um do you know anything about that in scrubs probably I would assume that male combat is a thing. I haven't tried it yet. I do do male combat, but it comes to my carpets, and it's fun, and and I like doing it. I think it's cool, uh, and and it works great. I mean, they get all freaking riled up and excited and amped, and then you separate them, and you know you put them to your their prospective females, and you know, they get down. They do the nasty, shit, and it's wonderful uh i haven't tried it with scrubs yet i'm not sure how it's gonna go uh, uh, i don't know maybe next year maybe i'll battle the southern and the the barnack it's like do you uh, really want to i mean no and i kind of don't only because this is something that eric mentions a lot eric burke on npr uh if it works stop fucking with it yeah and i didn't fight them this year and it worked so i should probably listen to that advice uh you know and uh, again i, I mean I've, I've changed things around a lot and i've made a lot of mistakes and i've screwed a lot of stuff up and then i've figured out how not to do that and i've become semi good at at the things you know my my goals i i see getting accomplished much more often from learning from those mistakes and if it's if it's you know if it's working don't fuck with it it's good solid advice yeah and i mean i just think it would be so much easier to tear apart male carpet pythons than male scrubs <laughs> I, I don't care it's it's all fun i i have gloves that i use in my videos i know people probably give me shit for that but uh it's for her protection as much as mine you know i've got my welding gloves because she'll she bites the shit out and it's fine because she's just she's so cool and she's so pretty and i i just i like that it kind of gets me excited you know i'm, I'm down for that but i i, I don't want to bleed and i don't want her teeth stuck in my arm and um so you know when i know i'm about to get tagged it's important to rock the gloves and i don't yeah again separate the mail I, I don't really care so much it's just that's not what worked this time and this worked so i, I don't know so you're gonna go for it yeah so as far as um, scrubs go, what? how many eggs did you get this year from that female? 11. Uh, 11 perfect looking eggs, no slugs. And is that, I mean, that seems small to me. Was she a small female or is that average? Dude, she's freaking tiny. She's like seven and a half feet. Yeah, yeah, she's super small. Um, I asked, I figured it out, and I asked around ten different people what they thought on on me pairing her. You know that that had experience in scrubs, and nine out of the ten people told me she was too small to breed this year and to give it another year. And I love and respect all those people, or I wouldn't ask them. It's just. I feel like that has something to say about what we know about the species and what we know about the breed, because that was such a consistent thing in everyone's head that they had to be this size for them to reproduce. Well, they don't. And I know that now. So that's all. Is awesome. there a potential that, you know, the size of your female, keeping them slim, feeding them less could have helped you in this situation? 
I don't know, but it, it works, so I'm not going to fuck with it. Do you know what they were getting as far as average clutch for people who have bred Southerns? Um, it seems like 12 to 16, uh, being around the max. I, I'm not entirely solid on that number. So if I'm wrong, I'm sure at some point someone will correct me, but it seems like if you get 16 eggs, that's a pretty good clutch. Uh, I know. Yeah. 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 16, 18, I think 20 would be massive. Um, for sure. Cause there was a, a real big bar neck that Dan, bred dan mullery he bred a couple of years ago she was large she was she was large and he had like 11 good looking eggs 12 good looking eggs but he had like six lugs right behind it so that would have been about an 18 egg clutch um i know there's some timor or not timor i'm sorry some tanabar pythons um that were bred this year and they got like 16 eggs out of those um which, you know, that's even smaller than my, my Southern. Um, so, yeah, I think kind of similar to carpets. I think if you clear 20, that's that's huge. Yeah, I was under the impression that it was going to be like somewhere in between a retake and a carpet. I thought it was going to be in the 30s or something, <laughs> but I guess I'm just an idiot. Dude, no, I mean, you got to understand, there have been – not very many people that have read these things and it's, it's a very small handful of people that have gotten eggs from them and everyone has their own opinion about how they did it and what they did and what works for them which you know what what i did and what works for me it's not going to work for everybody especially if you're in a different part of the country you know i had fans blowing into a cage at this certain temperature that made it this certain thing and it just and there's this storm this one night at this perfect time like man i don't i don't freaking know uh, are you <laughs> are you gonna stay consistent with you know your drops and the stuff you're doing during the winter though you're you're not gonna at this point you're not gonna fuck with it yeah nothing got sick it's good i like it because I want to talk a little bit of you, your trial and errors through the breeding process. But Wait. Melissa's well, other Brandon has a question, and he said, "How big gram wise do Southerns hatch out typically?" I have no idea. They've How been four days. Uh, well, think about it. They've been bred in captivity. I don't know, maybe ten times in the U.S. ever. Uh, and I've never weighed my babies. That's that's Paul Python shit, in my opinion. I just I have no time for that in my life. I don't care. It's not what I do. They're hats. They're alive. Right on. Let's start feeding. You know, it's just, it's not important to me. I'm not very sciencey. <laughs> this is this is your first time breeding southerns, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. This would be cool. I don't know. I hope it works. Yeah, I mean, I I don't weigh shit either. Now, people ask about it all the time. No way, anything. Yeah, no idea. Yeah, Nick what made me weigh some stuff a while back, and I like had to borrow a scale. You know, people are like weighing turds, weighing mice, weighing. Uh, no, yeah. Much. Oh, I didn't have another question. Now you maybe lost track of what I was going to ask. I will say the oh. eggs are huge, though. They're really okay. big. Really? Yeah. Well, so, I guess it, I'll show yeah, you. Go for it. 
actually watching. Sorry for people who are watching. I'll, I'll explain them in graphic detail to everyone. In graphic detail. Who will just be listening. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait. We got to stop talking. Oh, I got it. Go it. There you go. That's pretty big. I mean, to me, they look ball python size. Hold on. Would you say that's fair? Uh, here. Oh, thank you for the com- for the pin comparison. Yeah. So one is about I don't know. Let's say they're about four inches long. Three. It's friends. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah. Probably add some water to this. Oh wait, wrong water. Oh, don't use tap water for your uh, for your egg boxes. Get that purified. Uh, Mold, man. Mold. You think so? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mold happens more in tap. I'm telling you, I learned that. It happens true. That makes me not want to drink tap water. <laughs> you, think you, need a, you need a whole house filtration system, actually. <laughs> I, I sell them. That's the other thing I do. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, oh, okay. oh I see what you did there. That was his other job is, or day job is. <laughs> I work for a plumbing company. So. Okay. Would Morelia House ever become your full time job? Uh, I hope so. Not if my wife has anything to say about it. She kind of doesn't believe that I can pull that off. And it's not that I'm in a huge hurry for that. She's just tired of me telling her how well things are going every year, but it kind of stayed the same, you know, like, oh, I'm going to be able to do this, and this clutches, and it's going to work out like this, and then the next year, I just say the same shit all over again, and, and we've been together for like four years now, and it's the same song and dance, so she wants to hear nothing of it anymore, uh, but for real, though, yeah, yeah, it's something <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't care. It'd be cool if it could. Um, but I, I just, as long, it's my sanity. This is where I get away from everything else. This is where I come hide out from my day when everything else has been whatever it's been. And I can just chill, clean my cages, handle my stuff, and enjoy what I do. And nothing else matters. I'm not thinking about everything else when I'm in the reptile room. I just. I do my thing and it's my freaking break from reality. And that is my favorite thing about reptiles. Absolutely. We wanted to talk a little bit about, cause you mentioned uh, when we talked prior to the show, just your breeding trials and the ups and downs and kind of some of your failures and how you've come to where you are today. So can you describe you a little really bit? want to talk about failures? That sounds sad. Well, yeah, it turns into success, though, man. You know, you make mistakes. And if you're in the reptile hobby and you haven't made mistakes, then you haven't been in the reptile hobby for very long or you're not taking it very seriously because <laughs> clearly you haven't challenged yourself to the point where you have fucked anything up yet. And, yeah, man, I've burnt clutches. Uh, I've killed snakes. 
you know, and uh, I've killed more snakes than some people have owned, you know, it, it sucks. And, uh, uh, you know, everything in my cages have thermostat and so should yours. And if you wonder why, then keep them without thermostats for a while, you'll figure it out, you know, and all this stuff that it's common knowledge through the internet now and social media and, and groups and people talking about it constantly that's just become the standard wasn't always the standard and you know like i said i, I got my first snake 20 years ago man there were no groups 20 years there's a really bad pet shop employee who gave you some really terrible advice and then you just figured it out and you know and there's some other areas where i could have researched more and listened to but i didn't know how to find any of that stuff and um you know i i i absolutely killed a pair of green tree pythons because i didn't have any i didn't have a thermostat and i had a power outage one day and when the when the power came back on my air conditioner had broke um so it was the middle of the summer uh everything was on its heat uh my ac in the house was what i used for my thermostat it was set to somewhere in the low 70s well guess what the power outage killed my air conditioner so when i walked in the reptile room it was over 100 degrees mm. and every rat died i bred rats at that point in time like 300 rats died wow yeah paracondros died uh, uh my first jaguar i ever bought back when they were expensive as a motherfucker died <laughs> you know and uh yeah Guess what? Can you man? get insurance on snakes? I have no idea. But you can buy like, thermostats. Technically, that wasn't your fault. <laughs> thermostats. I don't know, but I ordered a bunch of thermostats after that. I don't know. I think it would be hard to insure something that, that we make up the price on. Like, we... It has a value to, to us. Just, but yeah, I mean, it would but, be hard to prove. But there's a... You look at the market and look what it's yeah. compared. Or, I'm just you know, not sure. I mean, I'm sure if it was an option, but like if we it's would your business, the bigger it's people what you doing sell. That kind of thing. Wouldn't you be able to insure anything? You, you can sell open the first reptile insurance company, or just just property. It's your property, right? Yeah. I don't know. Sure. I don't. I don't know how that works. I don't know how that works. <laughs> I'm texting my wife real quick to see if I can get another beer delivered. Hold on one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like it has to either be property if it's like in your house, so like property insurance, or if you're using it as your business. Someone listening to us is like screaming at us, like you're both idiots. Well, I would like them to tell me if I'm an idiot. Yeah. I would like to know. That would but be sick. Yeah. In my head, I feel like you should, if it's not your fault, it's truly like, like your AC going faulty. And there's like, so much human error that like. You can kill. We kill snakes just by breeding them. I no, mean, but, like, but that that's your earlier. fault. Oh, it's something that's not your fault. I feel like you should get insurance money. Yeah, but I don't know. I I want to talk about it a little bit because, like, <laughs> you don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's probably a good thing to talk about, though, is breeding snakes and what can happen. Um, yeah, guys. If you've never bred snakes before and you're really excited to give it a shot and you've got your pair and you can't wait to put them together, 
have no delusions. Your female is in mortal danger every time she breeds. I'm not saying you breed her, she's going to die. I'm saying that it takes a serious toll on females, and sometimes it just doesn't work out. And you can, and if you do it repetitively over and over again, you will lose females uh, after clutches. And every once in a while, depending on what species you breed, you might lose a male because that female might decide that she's hungry and kill them. So it's it's a risk. Every time you put your pair together, you're 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 risking both of them. Uh, so there's 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 a cost. Kind of like magic, you know, you use magic, there's a cost whenever you watch the, you know, the dorky crap that I watch on TV. Yes, yes, yes. Babe, come meet meet the world. Where are you at? Come on, say hi. My son's in the back. Just wave. Come wave. This is why. Hi. Hi. but yeah, when you when you breathe, there's a cost, and it's it's not going to happen all the time, and most of the times you're going to be fine. But every once in a while, occasionally, you're going to lose an animal, and so it's you, not- oh my you God. still have wrath. <laughs> <laughs> That's Tawny, man. Don't be rushed. <laughs> I love my puppy. Be nice. So I definitely thought that was a cat at first, like a Siamese cat, like. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. It's funny. It's a the hom- tiny dog. It's the homie. She has no teeth. Her tongue sticks out of the side of her mouth. She's blind. Uh, she's Whoa. like years old. Yeah, she's just she just likes to hang out. She keeps it real, you know. Causes no drama. Is she a jag or a super jag? <laughs> she's definitely a uh, dwarf. Like a super dwarf. <laughs> Oh my god, look at her tail. Look at her tongue. <laughs> wow. Her legs she are so legit looks dead. Dude, it's, it can't be long now. I mean, I hate saying that. She's super old. If my son has anything to say about it, it won't take long. <laughs> now I forget what we were talking about. No. <laughs> Breeding and dying, killing. No, it's, yeah. cool. it's cool. We, we we got through that. But um, anyway, it's the most rewarding experience ever, but it doesn't come without risk. So that is my knowledge to drop on people who haven't done that yet. Yeah, and I mean, it's not even just the females as a disappointment of the eggs or even babies that hatch out with certain deformities. Oh, yeah, yeah. Egg binding sucks, dude fucking sucks um the first pairing that i ever did um it was with my buddy travis johnson uh you know travis living legless reptiles and it was my male and and his female and this is again like i made a lot of mistakes when i was younger i didn't know any better so i had a, a male earring jaya and he had a female jungle we were like holy shit let's bring snakes there's a boy and a girl. We should put them together and there will be more carpet pythons. And that's what we did. So 
his female jungle, she laid, I, I forget how many eggs, but she got egg bound and he had like six to eight eggs still stuck inside of her. And we took her to the vet and had surgery on her to have them removed surgically. Uh, cause that was the only option. And she died. She died like a week later. Wow. Gone. Yeah. And then uh, one of my other buddies I watched have that happen too. So egg binding, man, that sucks. And that surgery they can do, it don't always work. It, it works very little, very, very few. Um, so it, yeah, it, it, I don't know. If, if you think your stuff's egg bound, just fingers crossed because that's a rough road. It's, it's, a, it's a bit of a death sentence in a lot of situations. Well, that's why, I mean, corn snakes, I had a twisted oviduct last year, and our female basically pushed out her internal organs, and basically the vet chopped it off, and then more of it came out, and then it dried up and fell off, and then she's still alive a year later, so um, that's more magic for you. (laughs) Wow. But what was the cost? (laughs) nothing i just don't breed her ever again (laughs) that's awesome man it's great to hear stories like that it's very very but but it was a it was a double clutch where they were all infertile it's not like i tried to breed her she just did it on her own and fucked herself up uh you know ghost clutches are a trick because i had a ghost clutch uh the first year well no i'm sorry rewind i i had bradley and i had a female and I, I just had the, I'm sorry, I had a male and, and I needed a female. And one year that male laid like 18 slugs. Damn. <laughs> yeah, dude. Hadn't ever been with another snake. Just dropped slugs. And this thing got probed by like three different people, mind you. <laughs> it was a gift. My first brother was a gift. And uh, yeah, 18 slugs out of nowhere. I'd never seen another snake. Just boom. All of a sudden, I'm like, well, you're definitely a girl. <laughs> Not a female. I mean, that goes to the fact that like until it lays eggs or you see a hemipene you're not sure you don't know uh, I, I would like to think that's not true now you know but but i i've been sent to sex snakes from a couple of different people and and that's okay it happens i i'm sure i'll do it at some point i haven't been called out yet but it's gonna happen you know if you're the customer that calls me and i accidentally send you the wrong sex i'm real sorry i'll make it right i I promise I tried to not to do that, but just, just let me know. We'll work it out. People that have done it to me have always worked it out. You know, it's kind of a gentleman's agreement. Don't make a big deal out of it. It won't be a big deal. We'll we'll make it right. But it happens. It, it happens yeah. to everybody. And some of the best named, most, you know, high and mighty breeders in the world have done that shit. So it it's just something that happens. But I don't know, but yeah, that, that happens. The, the the whole ghost clutch thing—it's it's a real deal. Would have been cool if they were fertile, right? I I had a parthenogenesis on a ball python one. Yeah, that's the fancy word I was looking for. How'd those turn out? Yeah. Did they have? Yeah, and they all came out normals because the female was normal. It was sick. Or then they were all females, right? That's the way that works. Yeah, yeah, uh, cool. But it's uh, so cool. you know. 
lot of $15 snakes on <laughs> Craigslist, though. Yeah, whatever, man. Yeah, everybody needs feeders, you know? We have blackheads. <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> do you have blackheads i want blackheads i don't have those yet um, you don't know how much there's one blackhead i'm super obsessed with but we don't we're not in the it, in the ballpark of blackhead money right now <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's a what is that a swiss line yeah so this guy split rock reptiles i forget his name sorry i probably have your business card right here but he is a guy in Texas here. He has these like Swiss line. Um, I believe they're what are the bright, more brightly colored ones? Are those westerns or easterns? I thought they were easterns. Don't I don't know. I don't. But know. they're supposedly um, traced oh, back to like a Swiss zoo, and they are just yellow and red and just fucking crazy. And I just found I've never seen that much red. I, you know, I, 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 I have with his. I've been following Derek Roddy for years, and I just gotta buy a pair of snakes from that guy at some point. <laughs> they look awesome, man. His stuff's insane. So, what's on your to-do list? What do you, What do you want? What's your What's your next pair? You're not done. We're never done. Oh, I know. <laughs> I, I I need to get. I need to get a male water python. I need to get a male olive python, which I hear I need to get two okay. male olive pythons. These are like our our the top the the least likely we're getting next. These are this I is know, your wish it's list. So tough. Let's do both. Let's do wish list and what you're actually realistically getting next, because you know okay. those are wish list would be a pair of blackheads. <laughs> okay, okay, and then your water, and then your two olives. And then what's realistically next? Realistically, what's going to happen? Um, one of lavender, Owen's Cali the, King. The lavender Cali King from Owen. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. We got a, uh, from Southwest Carver Fest. Holy shit, let's talk about that. Um, we oh, got that the, I'm wearing the shirt. Yeah, yes, we, we got, got the voucher. voucher from Owen. So that's why we're probably going to get a Cali King next or whatever. I haven't told him that that's what we plan to get but well, i guess want. i'll tell him yet tomorrow <laughs> but um you you hosted correct yeah yeah it was over here it was a great time i'll be honest with you i don't remember anything after seven o'clock <laughs> <laughs> i'm a terrible person to tell the story i was there i did not pass out i was the last man standing as a matter of fact but i don't have shit from about 7 a.m. to midnight is, or I'm sorry, 7 p.m. to midnight is completely gone. But there's pictures, and I know we had a great time. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we we barbecued, and we smoked some ribs, and we, or I'm sorry, not ribs, we smoked brisket and pork. I and, thought you were going to say and, something else. And, 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 no, I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. I don't know. Did I snort? No. Well. But uh, yeah, it was the best time, and, and it's all about just just people and getting off the internet, getting off of Facebook, and coming to hang out and shake the dude's hand that you've been liking his photos, and videos for him for the last couple of years, and just hanging out and having a beer and enjoying each other's company. And that's what Carpet Fest is about, and that's what we did, and it was a ton of fun. And uh, are you gonna go to Northeast Carpet Fest? <sighs> no. Why not, dude? I'm going. I live in freaking California. 
I'm broke. I hear that shit. I'm California broke. You don't even know what yeah, that kind of that's, broke ne- is. that's next that's level. Broke. Yeah. We're yeah. literally moving to Philadelphia three weeks later. So? So we just can't go right before we're moving. Why not? Uh, I also <laughs> am gonna be out of town. Which I say I can't go. I'm actually going to be out but of town. But we'll be there for every other Northeast Carpet nope. Fest. Forever. All right. I'm just saying, I got my plane ticket round trip for like 380 bucks, and you're a lot closer, so I'm, I'm, I'm sure. It, you it's, have a- it's a rough year. <laughs> There's a credit card somewhere with a $380 balance on it. You can just swipe, all right? Yeah. I would be surprised. He's in like four <laughs> weddings this year, and that's kind of all where all our money is going. Either way, I'm very excited to be a, to be a, a part of the Northeast Carpet Fest this year. I can't wait to meet everybody. Yeah, yeah, and there's so many cool people that I that I've looked up to and and spoken with and and traded stories with for so long on the internet that I've never met in person, and you know this is the opportunity to go do that. So you know I've known I've known Eric online for I have no idea how long, a really long time, and finally I get to go meet him and a whole bunch of other. I'll know like there's like two people that are going to be there that I've met in person. Three, that's it. So well, uh, I we know wait. you'll like it, and then you'll go next year, and you'll definitely be there next year. <laughs> no, next year uh, I heard that the Europeans mm-hmm. are going to form a carpet fest. Uh, so apparently, there's Whoa. a carpet fest in Europe next year, uh, which the wife already said, "Let's go." Um, so as soon as I get the date and the country. <laughs> that that is going to that be makes a big difference. <laughs> I will buy plane tickets because we'll, we'll be there for a week. We want to see a lot of stuff, but we'll, whatever the carpet fest is, I want to go. So I'm just waiting to hear from those guys, and we'll, well, I'm going to do Europe carpet fest. That's wild. So shall we save up for that, or should you we- want to go? <laughs> well, that sounds awesome. Because it'll just be me and my wife. We'll make a week out of it. You're up and let's roll, man. Yeah, I think that that's so cool, by the way. Like, because us in Texas, we get, you know, we've met some of the Florida people, but we haven't really, you know, if you're on the West Coast, the chances of you meeting all the people in the Northeast, unless you go to Tinley, I mean. <laughs> yeah, but do, what do you want to do? Do you want to buy snakes or do you want to party? Because yeah. I don't know about you, but I want to party. <laughs> all right. So we're going to go see what it's all about. Because, you know, they all talk all this shit about how Northeast is the original. And it's the biggest part. the best. It's the best fucking time. But you know what? I haven't been there yet. And we're going to make it a damn deal. I have oh, heard yeah. Southeast was pretty intense this year at Dave Plumbo's. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. No. But Eric has a pool. Yeah, and I'm yeah, looking Eric forward. Eric does have a pool. I'm looking is it warm to- enough? Up there, it was still so it's cold. I don't know. I, th- I think the naked cannonballs in order. <laughs> I think we're gonna need. I think we're gonna need a Weirdly naked enough, cannonball. You may not be the only one, so <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. How how would you like uh, like having everyone over and having everyone in your collection and all that? Yeah, no, it's great. Uh, Riley Jimison, uh, one of my very close friends, great friend of mine, he got bit in the head by one of my barnacks. That was hilarious. 
that was a good time. And it was the nice one, you know, because I have two. And the male is super friendly and super chill. And the female, she's not, like, evil or anything. I just don't trust that bitch. And, um, okay. yeah, the male, though. No, Riley clearly had had some drinks. You know, we, we brought a bunch of snakes in the yard to have some fun. And he decided it was okay to put the scrub around his neck, which I don't even do that. I, I, I um, don't like a bite waiting to happen. Yeah, and he like somebody said something and he moved his head over real quick and whack right in the head. <laughs> oh, oh god. Yeah, yeah. Well it was cool though. It was it was funny. <laughs> it was funny. Um, <laughs> other other Brandon says you should do the Northwest Carpet Fest challenge where you sit in a forty degree pool while people bet on it for US Arc. We don't have a 40. Do, can we have a 40 degree pool? How do we do the ice? 30? I don't, know. What is, I don't I think, think I want hypothermia. Dude, I got to fly out like the next day. Let's have a that shit. I'll, I'll, I'll do it out here when I can just sit on my ass all day the next yeah. day and not do anything. But I got to like a plane catch and shit. I don't need hypothermia. I don't know. <laughs> but if you so, can find something else stupid I can do for USR, I'll be more. <laughs> So how did you prepare for the whole thing? Like, how did you guys arrange it as far as food and everyone coming over? And was it just um, you or is it like a committee? I, I made a lit. Well, no, it was myself, Terrell, Riley, Tony, and April. Um, we all were kind of the committee. So all of those people helped. Oh, and Steven and Steven Katz. So there was a bunch of people that helped me, which was awesome. I kind of was in charge of the food, which I abandoned halfway through due to the alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> but I had Tony there to finish it off for me. So that was all right, you know? And, uh, yeah, it was great. I just, we had... I, I, I kind of made the grocery list and I just made everyone put their name next to what they were going to bring. I like kind of told people what to bring instead of vice versa. Cause I had this dream of what was necessary <laughs> and it worked out well. And it was like a well put together thing and not just totally fucking random. Yeah, that's perfect. What were you looking up just now? Looking uh, up flights to Philly. I was just seeing how much a flight to Philly would be from Dallas for that weekend. Just okay. What'd you find? It's $223 is the cheapest. Oh, my God. Do you need to borrow the money? You can pay you me. You have back. to multiply that times two. <laughs> Do you want to borrow the money? You can pay yeah. me back. You're good. I'll trade, you, I'll trade you a jungle carpet for it. <laughs> I'll take your olive. <laughs> oh, see, uh, now you've made uh, an offer that I can refuse. All right, all right. <laughs> Wait, can I ask a total all separate? Yeah, have you heard of the sick. moon glows in Australia? Moon glow, like yeah. uh, exanic albino, or not exanic albino, I'm sorry, a hypo al hypo exanic. Wait, I think they said, I think it, was they said it was hypo, hypo albino. Yeah, someone posted a pic, well, other Brandon posted a picture of it in the little chat thingy. They're gorgeous. Yeah, super cool. And we have hypos here now, too, so we'll have moon glows pretty soon. That's, that's Five cool. years. <laughs> Uh, probably, yeah, yeah, I guess that's <laughs> probably right. I bet oh. you that's the first pairing everyone's doing, probably, for sure. Yeah, yeah, uh, I would say probably Star Pythons will get it first. 
if anybody was going to do it first, it'd be, um, yeah, probably. Well, unless Harris has already got it. Um, Paul, Paul, Paul Harris probably be the first guy to do Mandela's in Europe. I Basically, Europe. Yeah, it'll it'll be Paul for sure. I, I would say. Do you know? Do you know where Hypo popped up? Australia. And but is it? Because um, I know obviously albinos are Darwin's. So are they just regular coastals? Were there any specifics? Uh hold on. I'm sorry. Repeat the question. I've had a couple beers. Are there any specifics? I know that albinos from Darwin's, but are hypos from coastal Pacific? Right, right. But any specific kind of coastal, or just so? So if you're if you're putting together a hypo with an albino, technically, it's not pure to some. No, dude. No, but (laughs) but who cares? No one gives a shit anymore at that point. It's fine. Conversation's out the window. We're in a whole new direction. We turn fucking left, and that's where we're going, and that's fine, you know. Like sometimes you just got to turn left, and in low, that's just the way it is. Other Brandon says there are pure albino coastals. Maybe, yeah, but not across the pond, though. Those, those are in Australia, and Australia alone. We don't have those that are that are available to us, unfortunately. So they they don't count yet. <laughs> <laughs> Only America. We'll see what happens. Though. Well, yeah. <laughs> Someone has some big pants to get them over. Yeah. Do you do you have any um, inlands? I really really love inlands. Do you have not, any desire? Not yet, but I will hopefully this year. Uh, if my wife's listening, I'm not serious. But seriously though, I, I should probably get those right after the olives. So I, I do have a pair of olives I'm getting this year. I need inlands in my life. I need rough scales in my life. I'd really like some Tully jungles too. So that's kind of the top four of the stuff that I want to get next. Um, all realistic for your life. This year or like this year and next year? Because this year, like half that shit's realistic. The next year, two years. years. Yeah, I'll have all all that shit in two years for sure. What was that that jungle that you just said? Oh, a Tully? Tully jungle? I've never heard of it. Oh, that's why you have yellow jungles, man. Tollies are like the, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. The Tolly locality jungles, those are the black and yellow ones. So actually, which pairing did your jungle come from, from Nick? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> RS152. There, there's a lot more Tolly blood in the American jungles than most people know or care to admit but a lot of the really black and yellow shit that we have stems from a totally black room and is that somewhere in queensland uh i don't know i'd have to look at a map um it's i'm not even trying to explain it it sounds stupid just google it if you're curious it's it's right there (laughs) yeah yeah i had no idea because i just haven't ever heard of it uh well there's the Athern Tablelands, there's Palmerson, there's Tully, there's uh you know, a lot of different localities. I, I can't explain it. They, they, mm. it. it's on Google. Sorry. I suck. I'm not good. <laughs> like I said earlier, I'm not sciencey. <laughs> no, no. Just go for it as far as um 
I mean, I obviously didn't dig as deep as I should have when I first got jungles, or I don't know enough about jungles. Oh, there's so many people that are ahead in the jungle game as far as quality and locality and all that stuff. Like, I couldn't even dream of competing. Dude, it's a, like it's a deep rabbit hole. It is a deep rabbit hole for sure. And I, I love locality stuff. I think it's awesome. Like gelatins. Dude, gelatins are fantastic. That like light blonde, it almost looks freaking exantic. Like once you have a gelatin jungle, I feel like you won't need exantics anymore because they're gelatin. <laughs> See, I thought that if we had inlands, we don't need exantics anymore. But no one gave a fuck about that. Have you seen gelatin jungles? Yeah, they look like a shitty jungle to my eye. <laughs> That's bullshit, man. There's no yellow at all whatsoever. I know. Is there, but there's no brown either. It's it's like a it's like an olive and blonde and black. Like I see exantic. Exactly, they do look exantic. They look freaking black and white. Are you looking at up? Yes, yes. Yeah, it's a it's a sick coastal dude, but I mean, that's the thing. The jungle. That's why it's so bad. So, what are your thoughts on the IJ jungle coastal thing? Them all being the same thing. We bring this up every time. All right, so (laughs) IJs are their own shit. It's it's obvious. It's blatantly freaking obvious. It's it's gotta be, in my opinion. Jungles and coastals, apparently genetically, they're pretty much you can't freaking tell on like a DNA level, and that's important. So if that's true, and if you can look at a whole, you know, like a scope of X amount of jungles and X amount of coastals and lay them out and read their DNA to be the exact same shit. You can't really argue with that. Um, but to my knowledge, IJs are more genetically distinct than that. If they're not, I've heard recently, maybe they're not. I, I don't really know. Uh, obviously, it, it doesn't seem like they're the same. They, they're real easy to differentiate when I'm looking at them, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, on a DNA level, it's, it's, it's crazy what selective breeding does. And a lot of times nature selective breeds itself. So, um, clearly nothing needs its own species status, but I think everything still having its individual subspecies should be valid. I mean, they are definitely, phenotypically very distinct so uh in my mind which again i know nothing about genetics nothing you are not talking to somebody who knows what they're talking about when it comes dna or anything like that but phenotypically that shit is stupid if they are not separate apart so they should stay separate apart yeah, for me, it's not only color, but it's also size, and there just seems to be so many differences. But I exactly. also fear, Thank you. I fear that like what in rat snakes I've seen that happen in North American colubrids to where emery were once a subspecies of corn snake, so we didn't think it was a big deal to mix them up, or you know, western rat snake and a Texas rat snake are those the same thing? <laughs> 
And it's like, well, things get lapped together and then taken apart. Yeah. Well, to be fair, I mean, Scrubs. Let's go to Scrubs for a second. Southerns and Barnacks are both Amnestina. You know, they're they're both Amnestines. That's dumb. Like, those look nothing alike at all. But they're the same species. So that's, again, locality. You know, it, it's a thing. But, I mean, southerns and barnacks look about as different as jungles and coastals do when you're, when you're putting them next to each other. So it's uh i'm glad i'm not in that field and that's somebody else's decision because i just think that's stupid i'd split that up those would be two subspecies in a second you know in highlands they look different than southerns and uh and and barn X and there's it's just i don't know it's a, it's a total taxonomic shit show the things about taxonomy is most of it is uh it's super political you know like if um if Hoser wasn't the guy that named uh, Harrisini, Harrisoni, uh, IJ, sorry, I'm bad at pronouncing that, uh, then it would probably be widely accepted and, and agreed upon. And everybody would be like, yeah, that's a subspecies. But Ray Hoser named it, and most people in the world don't really like Ray very much. So that's why nobody accepts IJs as being their own subspecies when you're in Australia and a lot of other people. The whole reason there's a debate at all whatsoever, at least that's the way it seems. It seems super political to me. And and that sucks because, you know, it sounds like he's probably right. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I talk to him a lot all the time and it, not personally, just through forums and groups and stuff. And I, I kind of get it. I mean, I, I understand you know <laughs> i think we're we're quick to form our own opinion when it's like who the fuck are we to give a shit about it but i think if we yeah. if we keep shit split up though then at least we're safe right we'll never regret it yes good call i agree with that 110 percent. if we keep it split up no harm no foul you can find that shit the word's going to hell you know <laughs> And then, yeah, you can't backtrack once it's considered a separate species, mm -hmm. you know? But you could always keep them separate. separate. Right. Yeah, yeah. What's, what's done is done when it comes to all the crossing and mixing. But, you know, you had mentioned earlier when it comes to regards to size, but shit, even coastals are super genetically diverse when it comes to size. Like, look at Rockhamptons. Uh, to my knowledge, you're really only talking at it about six feet, you know, no bigger than IJs. And Brisbane's you can go 10 you know you can get a 10 feet brisbane i don't have one that probably will eventually i'm gonna try really hard not for her to ever get that big but apparently it, they get there and those are both coastals but that's that's a locality thing so like i don't know it's a real fuzzy line that we draw it really is it's really fuzzy it, it goes back to the like we need both of the people in the world but at least if we have the pure people, there's still, yeah. Right, right, yeah. yeah. I just we'll want all both. the options out there. <laughs> because the, the more time goes on, the better we get at breeding stuff, the more potential we have to breed shit together that fucks us over in the long run. If you know what I mean? No, what I mean. Sorry, I don't want to make my head. It's, it's about it. 
It's about the kids, man. They got to be able to buy this shit in 20 years. Don't fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think the hobby is going in such a way that it's actually getting more on the snobby pure side. You know, Why do we have to be the snobby ones? Why are the pure ones <laughs> the snobby ones? Please fucking tell me. Because in my opinion, it's the uh, bioactive ones. Those are the new snobby ones. All right. Like it used to be pure snobby. No, now like it's got to be bioactive. There's got to be isopods and everything has to eat the shit. You never take the shit out of the cage. It takes care of itself. That's the new snobby. All right. We're being replaced. Damn it. <laughs> well, you have like the hey, no rat system snob. I do have isopods breeding right here, right now for my crest. Uh, so yeah. I do bio too, but not for my yeah. fucking snakes all right <laughs> so you have other things with legs yeah my crusty gecko it's my son's i just don't ever want to clean it shit so i went bioactive that makes sense. but that makes you fancier and snobbier i was thinking lazier yeah, yeah. he did it for a different reason see i, I was terrible i had crusty geckos don't want the cage at all. I've had Cresteds, I've bred Cresteds, they shit a lot. It's annoying. I don't want to deal with it. So there's live plants, UV light, and isopods. We're straight. <laughs> there you go. So it doesn't look like you have an issue as far as snakes go. Uh, tubs or display cages, you don't, is it uh, your younger snakes are in tubs, your older snakes are in displays? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I have, you know, if you're not a year old yet uh you're in a tub if you're over a year then you're either in a cage or in a bigger tub and yeah i don't know i have every, i have some pretty big tubs it, it just depends i have uh 10 ap cages i have a six stack of the vision boa tubs and i've got some other AP tubs. It just it depends, whatever the flavor is. I just want them to have enough room. And I prefer cages when I can fit it. Um, my goal is hopefully this time next year to own my own home or at least be close to owning my own home and doubling the size of my reptile room so I have more space. I'd like to do some outdoor enclosures. And um, I, I definitely, I do want bigger and, and, and more you know, as far as the cages are concerned. Will I still keep everything on paper? Yeah, probably. But they'll still have more space to climb, more, get more uh, you know, more branches to wrap on and stuff like that. And I will be doing some outdoor enclosures. I'm really excited to hopefully, you know, when I buy my home, I'll be able to build some outside cages for my diamonds because I really want to keep my diamond pythons outdoors year-round. Uh, yeah, they can handle the winter here. They can, and they will, because I. So what's the what's the temperature like in Southern California? Uh, it gets down to the forties. Uh, every once in a while, you may peak into the thirties, but for the most part, you're you're about fifty at night, fifty five during the winter time. Uh, it's kind of the average low. Forty uh, five's exceptionally cold, and like twice a year, it gets colder than that. Um, so as long as I have it set up properly, that shouldn't be an issue. So I'm going to keep the diamonds outside. Um, and then I'll have some bigger cages for the scrubs outside as well. Um, 
in my perfect world, I, I want to build this reptile room where I have indoor cages for the scrubs, but I want a doggy door that I can open or close to go into the outside cage so they can, you know, like one week I got one open, the other week I got the other open. So I'll have this giant outside epic thing, uh, which, you know, each week a different scrub gets to play with it. I, I think that would be Big crazy. dreams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it'll happen. I make dreams come true. No <laughs> doubt. No doubt. It'll happen. <laughs> How would you set up um, diamonds? Would you make one enclosure big enough for everyone, for the two of no. them, or would you separate? No, I think there is um, something to be said about introduction. Uh, I, I believe that, um, yes, I have cohabbed um, species before and I've had them breed. Uh, that being said, when you introduce a male to a female, there are many times when you get that immediate lock to where maybe if they're together all the time, they just don't give a shit. And um, there's something to be said about separating your pairs and putting them back together and separating them and putting them back together. And uh, there's just way too many people that I've spoke with and, you know, and myself and my own experience as well that have been successful with that to where I think that co-having year round might be, um, you'll, you'll have a male that's less motivated to breed when the time comes. Yeah, y'all get bored with shit. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to say. Dude, that, that was deep on so many levels. <laughs> um, other Brandon, who I believe also lives in Cal- Southern California, says that you might be able to keep inlands outdoor there too. Probably. Yeah. You know, and I would have some supplemental feeding. I mean, I would have it figured out to where something like they're all on their own outdoors. Like I'd have a high box with a heat pad or a heat panel or like a cage inside of a cage, so to speak, for them to retreat to when it got super freaking cold. Like I'm not going to totally leave them hanging, but I think in general, this climate's perfect for outdoor enclosures. So if I let them go outside, I can build some epic shit without having space requirements. I know the tortoise people don't rely on their animals to be smart enough to, like, find heat, so they usually lock them in the warmth. Would you allow the snake to just, you know, be a snake and find the heat, or do you think you'd kind of lock them in there if you knew it was getting below freezing? Dude, snakes have been snakes for thousands and thousands of years. Like, they'll figure it out. I don't I, I, they're not smart or anything. And scrubs are scrubs are smart as shit. Um, scrubs are very intelligent. I'm telling you, it's creepy. Um, but no, they'll they'll figure it out. I, I have at least that much faith in their intelligence to where I mean, they see heat, man. Like, it's yeah, if, if they can do one thing, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Be- <laughs> no, that would be super cool. As far as um, like big constrictors and stuff, I know that Tom Crushfield keeps all of them outside, including diamonds and stuff like that. So I wonder if there's something to it. Isn't Tom Crushfield a badass? He's different. He's he's different. (laughs) Man, he he's old. That guy got grandfathered in. 
all right he goes out. well whatever we rate people on in like this modern day of this guy's okay this guy's not okay the super stupid social media drama that you always see as far as oh my god this person does this thing and that thing man I'm sorry, but half of this shit that we have currently in today's hobbies is because of Tom Thrushfield. So oh, all I can definitely. say, thank you, motherfucker. You're a badass. Keep doing what yeah. you do. <laughs> in your pockets and your water bottles. Yeah. I think that it's just, uh, for whatever reason, we kind of move ahead and then we kind of start frowning upon the people who built the actual industry. When in the fact that, like, you forget that that's all they had and... You know, doing try the to same make it thing, work. You know, they've been doing like we're the ones not we're not but like new people are the ones who are changing it. Like and yes, change sometimes is for the better. But the only but, like, acknowledge the fact it. that it's like been going on for a while, like and they're not trying to make it different like you are. I don't know. That's the godfather, man. Nothing but respect. Nothing but respect. My first uh, Nick came Mutton is a godfather. No, dude, no, no. And then Nick's something different that's awesome. You find a different thing to say. A lot of respect for Nick, but Tom was around way before his time. So, Nick's Michael. (laughs) Nick's like Godfather 3, you know? (laughs) (laughs) That's only like 49% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's fucked up. But like, I think my life goal would be in the reptile hobby. If I could make like a documentary on Tom Crutchfield, or like he needs to like write up, someone needs to get and extract all of Tom Crutchfield's stories and like the absolute truth of Tom Crutchfield's stories, like when he like would all he these statues the, of limitations are up and shit. What do you do? You think he would tell everything? I think if he's about to die, I mean. <laughs> Why not, right? He's on his deathbed. The next time he gets tagged, just hit him up. You know? <laughs> did you see he got bit by a croc monitor? Dude, did you see he got bit by a cobra? I mean, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It wasn't a cobra. It was, uh, it was some form of rattlesnake tagged him last time he almost died. That dude's fucking nuts, man. I love him to death. <laughs> That's great. Never, never met him. Always looked up to him. Great, yeah, you know, just I don't know, great dude, you know, and you know, respect your elders, I guess. That's my yeah. message, you know. They're they're the people that came before us, you know. Pay attention to what they have to teach, learn from it, do your own thing. But there are so many of us that have made these mistakes and have done these things wrong to where now these new keepers that are coming into the hobby have this luxury of information. And a lot of them just won't listen to it. You know, a lot of people just don't want to hear it and they want to do their own thing and whatever you say, whatever, it doesn't matter. This is fine. And, you know, it's, it's, it's disheartening because when I come on a forum and when I start talking about, Hey, maybe you should think about this or that it's cause I fucked that up already. You know, and, and I figured it out. I don't do that anymore. There's a really good reason I don't do that. You should just shut the fuck up and listen. But uh, it never happens, and that's fine because everyone's got to take their own path, you know. But it doesn't stop. Fuck up too. They gotta feel feel the fuck up. Uh, Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's fine. It's 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 part of the process, and I feel like it's an important process. 
to go from, you know, rookie to, you know, solid advanced keeper, somebody who's, who's been around for a while. And, you know, I, I haven't done anything important, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's nothing crazy that I've produced and I haven't, you know, sold all these animals. I have a fucking day job, you know, I, I don't make a ton of money or really any money off anything that I do, but you know what? I, I've been able to continually do what I do for years now and have almost nothing come out of my pocket. I break even every year. That's awesome. That's all I want. You know, it'd be cool. Somebody said earlier, do you want to do a Morelia house for your full time? Yeah, that'd be great. But as long as Morelia house and my breeding and my endeavors can allow me to continually do what I love every year and not take money out of my paycheck for it, winning. <laughs> And you managed to, <laughs> to, I mean, you said you had a, like, kind of a disappointing season, but then again, you produced Southern Scrubs, so, and they have the, the day. They haven't hatched yet. <laughs> they haven't hatched yet. That's true, but you say you haven't done anything, but you've bred Maclots and the Southerns, so, that's pretty damn good. I like it. I'm happy. You know, that's all about it. I come in the reptile room and I'm proud of it. And I enjoy it. And I can't wait to see what happens next. And something's going to happen next. And it's going to be cool. And, you know, one, one of the main things that keeps me going is I have repeat customers that have been great to me and invaluable to me and having a – I'm really big on customer service, man. That's that's my thing. Communication, huge. Honesty, huge. Being upfront, huge. Taking care of your shit, you know. And anybody can. Producing snakes, dude. That's the easy part. Then you gotta sell them. And you'll find when you're new walking into this thing that you have this illusion of what you think you're going to get how quick things are going to sell. And, and you have to understand that you're going to possibly be sitting on your animals for a very long time. And you have to be okay with that. And when someone hits you up, that's interested in buying your stuff, man, you've got to deliver customer service. It's important. And it, it, it's what's going to set you apart. And it's why people are going to buy from you instead of somebody else. There are people that I will specifically only buy from because I've dealt with them and they are so good at their craft. And it's not just their animals, it's them. So you yourself and how you respond to messages and how often you'll take phone calls and how you do things will have a lot to do with the success of your business, even if it's just starting with one clutch, but you want to keep going, man, that's where you start. Then that's great to take that clutch and, and make sure that they go to the best homes as possible and help those people out and get them in the hobby and get them excited and get them interested to buy more stuff. <coughs> and, and they'll come back next year. You'll have something else. Guess what? You're going to get a phone call immediately. Hey, I saw you did this. That's awesome. I'd like to buy another snake for me. Okay, cool. Then all of a sudden, you know, there's all these posts talking about how great you are, whatever, 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 you know, and it's, it, it, it's this weird thing, social media and what it's done to the hobby. And, 
Um, I can't wait to see where it takes us because part of it gets us really jaded. I know there's a lot of stuff that gets posted to where I'm just like, guys, really on like another feeding video. Seriously, you know, <laughs> like another but that person hasn't video. been long enough to know. Yeah. Exactly. You know, cause I did some, I did a bunch of feeding videos when I was younger and I won't do them anymore. You know, I, I haven't done a video, a feeding video in five, six, seven, eight years, but a long time ago I did nothing but feeding videos and I really regret that now. And I would love to change that. And, you know, I guess my point is where you start in this hobby, you will evolve. And, and so will your attitude and so will the way that you look at things. So pay attention to the guys that have been around for a while. Listen to what they have to say because it's a, it's a pretty consistent path that a lot of people walk down. It starts at one spot pretty consistently ends in another. So I don't know. I don't know. Take it for what you will. I think that's a perfect, good, positive uh, ending point. Um, Brandon, if people want to contact you or reach out to you, where should they hit you up? Uh, Facebook's the best. I only have like two videos on YouTube. So uh, Facebook, Brandon Wheeler, uh, or Morelia House is where I post all of my snake stuff. The the uh, business page messenger sucks. So please hit me up on my personal one. I don't know why they're Three. different. They are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um so yeah just hit me up on facebook and i'd love to chat i love to talk snakes um carpet python discussion board if you're not a member of that um that is a group that i'm one of the admins for that i think is one of the better places to talk about in-depth topics when it comes to morelia so please go add yourself and come have a conversation and is there anything else you would like to include that maybe we didn't hit on no, we're good. Sweet. Good. What's your dog's name again? This is Tawny. I missed it. It cut out. What'd you say? Tawny. Tawny. Okay. Okay. So he's blind. He's toothless. He can barely move his little stiff legs. Really interesting creature you got there. It's my pup. <laughs> <laughs> so, where can you find us? Um, obviously, if you're listening to this, you can find us at Forty Pythons on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. You can go to our website, ForcityPythons.com, where we will post snakes when they are available, and there's t-shirts there always, and then ThePortCityPythons at gmail.com. Watch NPR. We'll listen to NPR tomorrow. Yes, half of this amazing duo will be on NPR. The the less fun half. Uh, okay, good to know. And uh, thank you guys so much for listening, for watching, for everything, and have a great night. I'm gonna call in and fuck with you tomorrow. It's gonna be good. <laughs> I mean, you can go for it. <laughs> but now you know, Eric. Eric will listen to this, and he knows it's coming, then. He, he accepts it. It's fine. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Bye, guys.